really at home with us, and uh, more importantly, that you encounter God this morning. He's a gloriously generous God who loves to meet with people. And so if you're open to him, he is willing to reach out and meet you this morning. Last week, we finished a, uh, a four-week series on overcoming fear. And uh, it was great, wasn't it? It was really, really helpful, I thought. And so if you've missed any of them, you can catch up online. You can listen to the series online, or you can, if you're on Church Suite, you can go to Church Suite and listen through there. Uh, plenty of opportunities this week to catch up and listen. This week, though, we're starting uh, a new series. We're starting a series which we started back at the beginning of the year, and it's the second of four mini-series on our four culture words uh, for us as a church. We're looking at the four culture words we want to be able to describe ourselves as, as a people, that we would be known for them in this town, that these characteristics would be displayed in and through us to this town. That as we seek to uh, be more like Christ and let God have more of his way in us as individuals and as a church, we would become more, can you remember the four words? Oh, they're up there already. Oh no, I've spoiled it, haven't I? (laughs) Genuine, thankful, generous and courageous. Turn to the person next to you and say, genuine, thankful, generous and courageous. That's us. That's what we want to be described as. That's what the person next to you, we want them to be described as. That's what we want for ourselves, that we would be genuine, thankful, generous, and courageous. And what do these four words actually mean? Well, we, if you can remember, we had definitions for these words. We had genuine, living out God's approval by being really real. And we looked at the story and the life of David uh, back in... January, I think it was now. Thankful, expressing our thanks for everything in every way to everyone. And we looked at the thankful leper, the one thankful leper where the others went and disappeared. One came back and said thank you to Jesus. Generous, seeing the best, seeking the best, sharing of our best. We looked at the character of Boaz how he was generous in how he dealt with Ruth. And courageous, fearless Christianity regardless. We look to the story of Esther. What an amazing example of courage. And so over these next five weeks, with a summary at the end, we're going to be looking at four more specific people in the Bible who displayed these characteristics and learn from them. And today... You might have guessed it. We're looking back at genuine, and uh, we're looking at one of my favorite characters in the Bible, uh, a man named Peter, formerly known as Simon, now called Peter, and uh, he's just a great example for me. He's just someone that I just I love. I love reading about him in the Bible, just because he makes so many mistakes. I'm like, oh, phew, if he can make them and God can still use him. Maybe God can use me because I make mistakes. And actually, that's what we want to be like. We want to be someone like Peter who, despite making mistakes, is used by God. What an encouragement for us that no matter how many times we mess up, God can still use us. God can still produce something fruitful in us. And so if you've got a Bible, why don't you turn to uh, Luke chapter 5. Luke and chapter 5, Luke's in the New Testament, 
in the second half of the Bible, and uh, we're looking at chapter 5 and verse 1. As the crowds were pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Gennesaret. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, that's also known as Peter, and asked him to, be put, asked him to put out a little from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing. But at your word, I'll let down the nets. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, because I'm a sinful man. For he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of the fish that they took. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on, you will be catching people. Then they brought the boats to land, left everything, And followed him. It's just an amazing story. It's an outrageous story. An amazing encounter with Jesus for Simon Peter and some of the other disciples. Experts in their field of fishing. And yet God does something so incredible, so mind-blowing, so beyond their experience and their expectations that they're left stunned. And Peter is left both in awe of Jesus and afraid of the power and the holiness of Jesus. I wonder what your field of expertise is. Imagine Jesus just blowing your, imagi- your expectations in this. Maybe you're a teacher and suddenly as you go into your classroom, all of your students have learned everything that they needed for the whole year without you even asking. Maybe you own your own business and suddenly as you go in Monday morning, you've got business sorted for the rest of the year, all paid up front, done, sorted. Maybe you're at school and suddenly you get all A's. You were getting D's, but now you're getting A's. It's amazing. Where has this come from? Imagine just being an expert in fishing. You've worked hard all night long, caught nothing. You know how to fish. You've done it your whole life caught nothing. Jesus comes along and your boats are so full they're sinking. It's an amazing story. The disciples were left awestruck and stunned. She might be asking the question, how do we actually see the characteristic of genuineness in this this passage here? How do we see it in Peter? Well, I want to look at four things this morning uh, from this passage. Peter was real in disappointment. Peter was real in disappointment. Peter was real in faith. Peter was real about sin. And he was real about God's grace. Why don't I just pray for us? Is that all right? Andrew's all right with that. Anyone else all right? All right with prayer? We need you, Lord. Oh, God, we need you. Come, Holy Spirit. 
Lord, I pray over each and every one of us this morning, Lord God, we need an encounter with you, Lord. We thank you for this story, Lord. We thank you for the way that you met with these disciples. We thank you for the way that you met with Peter, how you went way beyond his expectations. Lord, whatever expectations we've brought this morning, I pray that you'd go beyond them. I pray, Lord God, that we would encounter you in a way that we didn't expect. Come, Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord Jesus, for every person in this room, Lord, each of us, thoughts are going everywhere else. Lord, I pray, help us to fix our eyes on you this morning. Pray from the youngest to the oldest, Lord, that we would meet you this morning. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Peter is so encouraging because he's so real. He's so genuine. He doesn't hide from what's going on in the inside. He doesn't pretend that everything's okay. But he bears his heart before Jesus. Even from the very beginning of their relationship. Last month, uh, Juliana and I, we went up into London for a magic show. And uh, it was a Christmas present to me. I love magic shows. They're great. I always on Britain's Got Talent. I'm always looking forward to the magic ones because I just want my mind to be blown. I just want to be going, wow, that's just, how do they do that? That's just amazing. And uh, we went to this magic show and this, this guy showed us um, this, this egg and he showed us this egg. And suddenly, out from the egg, he pulled like a handkerchief. You're like, what? How did that happen? And then he showed us that it went back in again. We're like, what? How did he do and he showed us, he was like a little trick, he was like, this is how it's done. And he showed us this egg, and it had a little hole in it, but it was hiding the hole. You're like, oh, it's obvious now, like, that's easy. And uh, so then he suddenly took the egg, and he broke it on the side, and suddenly the yolk came out. And you're like, how did he do that? And we were just like left stunned there. It was a fake egg. And yet suddenly it became real. And when we consider what being genuine, what being real is, Actually, the opposite of that is fake. The opposite of being genuine is being fake. And straight away, your thoughts might go to, well, I know about fake news. I already know about fake news. But here's some other things that actually go on in our lives. Social media. It is easy to put up a fake profile of what you're really like. That actually, we can put up all the good things that go on in our lives And yet, actually, the reality is there's so many other things that go on which don't get posted. We can put up a fake kind of profile of ourselves, a fake version, fake bodies, increases and reductions for a small price. Everyone's doing it now. Maybe not everyone. But actually, we can put on this show of what we actually want to look like when actually God knows the real us. He knows the real me and you. Fake emails. We get requests for money or press this link and it leads to nothing except just a uh, virus on your computer. And fake news. False information put out as news. The world around us throws plenty of fake things around that it can become easy for us to join in and be a part of it. We can be unsure if people are being genuine with us, whether we can trust people or whether there are alternative motives in relationships. This is where Peter's story is so refreshing. He doesn't pretend. He's not fake. And we as believers, as a church, we want to be refreshing for people meeting us. That the people of this town find us refreshing in the way that we're real with them. In the way that we're genuine. So I want to look at these four 
aspects this morning. First of them, Peter was real in disappointment. I wonder how you tend to handle disappointment. I wonder when things don't go the way that you had planned or expected, how you react. I expect that all of us actually carry some sort of disappointment with us. Maybe it's the way your parents treated you. Maybe it's the way that you've parented yourself. Perhaps disappointment with a church, maybe even this church, or with leaders or with people who were once friends. Maybe you're disappointed through a sickness or a condition that you have. Maybe in your job you're disappointed or lack of a job you're disappointed. There are so many things that could cause us to be disappointed and there are so many ways we could choose to react. Here's four typical reasons, bad potential ways in which we can react to disappointment. Firstly, hide it. Pretend it's not there. Put on a face to the world that everything is okay. Secondly, moan about it. Draw everyone's attention to it, but not act on it. And just work ourselves up about it. Thirdly, we can fear it. Because of disappointment in a certain area, we approach it with fear and uncertainty. Or fourthly, we can withdraw. This is most common for me. We can withdraw. We disappear. And are not seen or heard. We go into a sulk. Just like... Peter's a fisherman. It's what he does. It's his trade. It's his skill. It's his profession and his life. It's all he's ever done. And it's probably what the only thing he expects to ever do. He's built his life around it. So when this stranger, this carpenter, man named Jesus comes along and tells him to put his nets out for a catch. Imagine what's going through his mind. I'm a fisherman. I'm, I'm the fisherman. I've fished all night. I've done everything. I've used every trick in the book. But caught nothing. Even a carpenter is telling me how to fish now. I'm a letdown. I'm a disappointment. I'm a failure. He could decide to hide it all. Or pretend that he's okay, really. But Peter is real. He admits his disappointment in verse 5. He says, we've heard, worked hard all night and caught nothing. You know, God loves relationship. He really does. He loves it when we're genuine with him. Genuine with, and real with him in our disappointment. A book in the Bible called the Psalms are filled with disappointed people who are honest with God. David, the biggest psalmist of them all clearly voices his disappointment to God so often in song and poetry, but he's also described as a man after God's own heart. God's desire is that we would bring our disappointment to him, not hide it, not sulk away in it, which is so easy to do, but bring our disappointment to him. Don't try and hide it. Don't try to ignore it. Don't make it bigger than it is or fear it anymore. Admit it. Bring it to Jesus. What else, what else do we see Peter doing? We see him not just being genuine and real in his disappointment, but also his faith. He brings his small mustard seed of faith. But at your word, Lord, I'll let down the nets. I'm disappointed. It's been a rubbish night. I've caught nothing. This is my job. How am I going to feed myself today? But at your word, Lord, I'll let down my nets. Peter was real in faith. 
He's clearly seen or heard enough in Jesus to know that he's more than just a carpenter. He's more than just a good teacher. Jesus, if you say so, I'll put down again. I don't want to. I don't see the point. But if you say so, I'll do it. Peter brings his faith. As small as a mustard seed. Maybe even smaller. Why bother when I fished all night? Tried every trick in the book. But if you say it, I'll do it. I wonder where you've been disappointed in your life and Jesus is asking you to go again. Maybe it's in the things of the Spirit. Maybe decades ago you encountered the Holy Spirit, but you got disappointed somewhere along the way. And maybe Jesus is saying again, go again. Encounter me again. No more of my Spirit again. Perhaps it's in the prophetic Maybe you're disappointed because no one responded to your word. Not sure whether it really did much good. And Jesus is saying, be real with me. Be real in your disappointment, but bring your faith again. Go again. Let your nets out again. What will your response be? Is a word from Jesus enough for you to go again? What about your marriage? Have you given up hope? Disappointed? Jesus said, throw your nets out again. Give Jesus what little faith you have that he can spark life again into your marriage. What about sharing your faith with others? When was the last time that you shared your faith with someone? This can go back a long time. Jesus says, throw your nets out again. I know you might be disappointed. I know you might be hurting. It might have been a painful experience where you were ridiculed, but Jesus says, throw your nets out again. Jesus is after your heart. He's not after your works. He's after your heart. Don't get them mixed up. But he's after your obedience as well. And he's after your faith. However small, he's after your faith. What does it mean to be genuine here as a church in autumn? It means all of what I've just said and more. It means that we're real about disappointments in life. Things don't go our way. Don't go the way that we expected, but we're real about it. For, for some of us, you might be feeling that that is a big understatement. Things have gone way beyond not all right in my life. And God would encourage you to bring your disappointment to him. Don't hide it. Be real with him. But then also bring your mustard seed of faith. Bring your willingness to obey Jesus. If he says to go again, respond like Peter. If you say, Lord, I'll go. I'll do it. Don't let your disappointment hold you back, but be encouraged to go again. Be genuine in your disappointment and be genuine in your faith, but also be available to go again if the Lord speaks. Maybe you hear about tonight's members meeting and think, why bother? Really, why bother? There's stuff on the TV. I know I'm going to be all right then. I've been to too many disappointing meetings here at this church. I would encourage you, come again this evening. Come again. Come again with your small little mustard seed of faith as we share important vision of what we're going into for the future, as we share key news of what's going on in our church. Come and go again as we adventure again together. As we read on in the story, we see that Jesus does this amazing miracle where suddenly they have more fish in their boats than they could have imagined, enough to start sinking the boat. And then look at Peter's response in verse 8. Go away from me, because I am a sinful man, Lord. 
Peter was real in disappointment. He was real in faith. And he was real about sin. Peter's job, as we've mentioned, was a fisherman. So when Jesus came and surprised even him with the amount of fish he could catch, with just a word from Jesus, it causes Peter to become very aware of two things. Firstly, his sinfulness, and secondly, Jesus' holiness. Peter was real about sin. He suddenly recognized that he was a sinner, that he was lacking in forgiveness, lacking in power, and lacking in holiness. But he also recognized that in front of him, was one who was completely different to anyone else he'd ever met. So different, so completely other. Jesus was holy, full of power and full of authority. If we're to be truly genuine as a church, it comes with recognizing our true sinful state as mankind, but also as individuals. And it comes with recognizing Jesus' complete, true lordship and holiness. As we encounter the mighty, powerful God who does works in our life far beyond what we can do by ourselves, it reveals a great difference between us and him. Psalm 24 verse 1 to 4 says this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. The psalmist then goes on to say this, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? David wrote this psalm and he recognizes the majesty of God. And it leads him to question, well, how can I approach him? If he's so great, if he's so magnificent, so high and lifted up, how can I approach him? His view of God gave him the right perspective of himself. How can I stand in this holy place? Who can even attempt to get close to this God when he's so lofty and holy? Only as we humble ourselves can we begin to fix our eyes upon God and see him for who he is. Recognizing our need for him and our need for grace and for being rescued. I wonder what currently in your life is hidden. Where are you not being real with God about? sin in your life come this morning let me urge you come this morning come and see him for who he truly is come and see the God the maker and creator of this beautiful universe we live in the holy perfect good spotless king the one who can catch all the fish in the sea in just a word the one who is far above us far beyond us far greater than us As we see him for who he truly is, we also see the state of our heart and recognize our need for him. Being genuine recognizes that we've messed up, that we've fallen short of God's standards and we are in need of God's grace. It also means that as others come into our lives who are messy and sinful and they're broken lives, that we're able to relate and say, You need the grace of God because I did too and I've received it and it's wonderful and it's amazing and it's life-changing. We can encounter messy lives not with a sense of kind of higher and kind of feeling over someone but someone coming alongside and go, you've got to receive the grace of God. It is wonderful. 
It is glorious. I have received it. It's amazing. It's changed me. It's transformed me. Peter was real about sin. And he was real about God's grace. I love Jesus' response to Peter. Say, don't be afraid. Peter's there, get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinner. Get, get away. I can't be in your presence. And Jesus says, don't fear. What a response. Don't fear. From now on, you'll be catching people. It's not just a don't fear. It's a commissioning. And I've got this plan for you. Jesus didn't leave Peter in his brokenness and sin. He picked him up, spoke truth and life over him, and commissioned him forward. Psalm 40 verse 2 says, He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. We heard earlier about this anchor that God wants us to have in him, that he wants us to stand firm in him. Peter received the grace of God. His response to this grace from Jesus, this acceptance from Jesus, was to leave everything behind and follow him. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Grace received causes great change. When we receive the approval and love and acceptance of God, it changes us. It takes away fear. It deals with our disappointment. It causes us to hope and to run again. We're not meant to stay in that pit of sin. You've not been designed to stay in a pit of sin. God's made us for a life beyond that. He wants to lift us out, to show us his great grace, to show mercy beyond what we could deserve. Have you received God's grace over your life? When you think about yourself, have you, are you sitting, even this morning, do you feel like you're sitting in a sense of guilt and shame? Or have you received God's grace, his recommissioning? Go again. Go again. I love you. I'm for you. As I was reading through this story, as I was spending time just looking at it, I was reminded of a story later on in the Gospels, a story at the very end of John. If you've got a Bible, turn to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. We reach a point in this story where Jesus predicted that Peter, the same Peter that he spent three years with, would deny him three times. Peter says, no, no, not me. I, I wouldn't do something like that. He then goes and denies his Lord and Savior three times. And Jesus dies on that cross. And three days later, rises again. And there's a couple of encounters of Peter and the disciples meeting with Jesus. Can you imagine his disappointment? Can you imagine just how he would have been feeling? I said I wouldn't do it, and I did. I've completely disowned my my Lord, my Saviour. We read this story in John chapter 21. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, 
Thomas called twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, Zebedee's sons and two others of his disciples were together. I'm going fishing, Simon Peter said to them. You can imagine that. Peter was probably either, he's there either probably going, I'm giving up. I'm going back to my old job. This is, I'm going back to what I know. Or just going, I just need some peace. I need some, something to get me out of this because I'm just, I don't know what to, to do with myself anymore. I'm going fishing, Simon Peter said to them. We're coming with you, they told him. Who's like, oh no, I wanted to go by myself, but okay. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. When daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore. However, the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Men, Jesus called to them, you don't have any fish, do you? No, they answered. Cast the net on the right side of the boat, he told them, and you'll find some. So they did, and they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. Therefore the disciple, the one Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer garment around him, for he was stripped and plunged into the sea. But since they were not far from land, about a hundred yards away, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging their net full of fish, When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire there, and with fish lying on it and bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus told them. So Simon Peter got up and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Come and have breakfast, Jesus told them. None of his disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. Verse 15, when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told him. A second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to them. You know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. He asked him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that he had asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. I assure you, when you were young, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to signify by what kind of death he would glorify God. After saying this, he told him, follow me. The amazing thing is, Jesus did exactly the same thing as what he did at the start of his relationship with Peter. Throw your nets out on the other side. Go again. They do it, and again, a huge amount of fish they could never have dreamt of. Peter's response It is the Lord. It's the Lord. He jumps in the water and races to him. You see the difference of that first story that we read earlier on this morning. Peter's response, get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. To suddenly, it's the Lord. I'm I'm running, I'm diving in, I'm swimming, I'm going to get there. It's the Lord. Peter had grasped something of the grace of God. He knew something of the grace of God that meant that actually he wasn't going to stay at a distance anymore. 
He knew that Jesus' love, his approval of him, meant that he was accepted. He could run. He could swim. He could dare to get in the water and go close to Jesus. He, yes, he'd messed up. He had denied him. He said, no, I don't know him. But he knew something of the grace of God in such a magnificent way that he threw himself into the water to get close to Jesus. Friends, this is the grace of God. That we can mess up time and time again. And Jesus is there going, come near. Come near. Be real. Be real. Be real in your disappointment. Be real in your sin. Don't try and hide it from me. But come near. Come near. I'll show you grace like you've never known before. I'll show you mercy like you don't deserve. I'll show you love beyond all measure that you've received through anyone else. This is the grace of God. Friends, let's be real about the grace of God. You are not too far down in a ditch for the grace of God to pull you out. You're not so deep in sin that Jesus can't save, restore, and rescue you. There's this beautiful encounter in this story where Jesus asks Peter if he loves him three times. Peter's able to recommit. He's able to give his heart again. He's able to declare his love for Jesus. He's all in. He's back on track. He's back on track with the commission that Jesus had first given him. Jesus first said, follow me. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And he's back on track. He's suddenly there again. Jesus is recommissioning again. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Care for my church. Care for my people. I don't want you just to see people say, I want you to care for them. I want you to love them. I want you to see people come into my kingdom. What an amazing moment for Peter. I imagine that if I was him, I would have been left there going, I've lost it. I've absolutely lost it. There is no way that I can do what Jesus called me to do now that I've denied him. Now that I've given up on him, he won't accept me back. Jesus recommissions again. Go again. My grace is sufficient for you. Go again. And so later on in the Bible, in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter is able to write this. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Just imagine where he's been. That disappointment, the rejection. He's able to write these beautiful words. A chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We want to be real Friends, we want to be real about our disappointments and we want to be real about our sin. But we don't want to end there. We want to be real about the grace of God and the faith that he can give us. And that's where we want to finish. That's where we want to be. We want to be full of the grace of God, full of faith to go again. In a moment, the band are going to come up and uh, we're going to just spend a, a moment just responding. And uh, there's three specific ways I'd like to offer as a way of responding this morning. There might be more ways which you want to respond, and that's absolutely fine. Here's three things this morning. Some of us have disappointment hanging over us, and 
I saw this picture as I was preparing. It was just like this chain, just like around the neck, just like dragging right down. And for you, that's how you feel disappointment. It's just like, oh, just like it feels like it just drags you down. And I feel like God want to speak over you this morning and bring freedom. He wants to bring faith to you again. That actually, have you been disappointed in things? Maybe right here in this place, you've been disappointed with this church. And God wants to bring faith again. Faith to go again. No faith today. At your word, Lord, I'll let, I'll let the nets down again. That's number one. Number two, some here this morning, maybe many of us here this morning, feel trapped in sin. Fearing what others might say if you told them what was going on in your life or what God might say. No grace today. God's got grace for you today. Whatever you share, whatever is going on in your life, actually God's grace is bigger. It's bigger. He can rescue you this morning. Don't fear. Jesus said, follow me. This is a safe place here this morning. This is a safe place for you here this morning. Thirdly, maybe you feel like you can't be the real you. Maybe you feel just fake in yourself. And God wants to bring freedom today for you. I feel like there's a number across the ages in this category. But this morning I was praying and I felt there was specifically a teenage girl here this morning who you just feel fake. And God would want to set you free this morning. That you can be all that he's made you to be. But that goes across the ages. God wants to bring freedom. And so what I'd like us to do is uh, I'd just like you to close your eyes for a moment. And uh, I'm going to pray. And then there's going to be an opportunity to respond. And maybe just as I pray, maybe the band can come up and uh, we're going to get ready to sing a song. Father God, we just want to say, Lord, we love you. Lord, as you ask Peter, do you love me? Lord, our response to you this morning is, Lord, yes, Lord, we love you. You're a God of grace. You're a God of incredible mercy. God, that you would love us, sinful Men and women who have rejected you, Lord God, you would love us. That is beyond our reasoning, Lord God. Your mercy is outstanding, Lord. Your grace is sufficient for us, Lord. Help us to live in your grace, Lord God. Help us to be real about your grace. Help us to not ignore it, but Lord God, to accept it and to live it out. Lord, I pray for every single person in this room, Lord God. No matter what we're feeling, Lord God, I pray that you would come and uh, just draw near to us right now this morning, Lord God. However we're responding, Lord God, whatever category we fit in, Lord, you know our hearts. And so, Lord, I pray, let us draw near to you this morning, Lord God. Let us know grace. Let us know faith. But let us also, Lord God, be real about our sin and our disappointment. I pray that in Jesus' name. i just like you where you are, just with your eyes closed still. If you want to respond to any of those three categories or maybe even anything else, maybe would you just raise your hand? I feel like there's going to be many in this room. That's great. Hands are going up. There's just going to be an opportunity for us to pray. But you putting your hand up is just an opportunity to say, yeah, Lord, I'll respond. That's 